This is Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast hosted by Maggie Levitt. We are back stronger than a 90s trend with a new bonus episode of Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast. And this bonus episode is about the long-awaited Speak Now Taylor's version, but specifically about a song that I think we were all waiting to see how Miss Swift would handle with her re-recordings. And I feel like we have a lot of feelings about them, don't we, Candace? We have big feelings about Better Than Revenge. We both were obsessed with the song when it came out. And yeah, we have some feelings about the updated version. So Maggie, can you tell me a little bit about the song? Yes. So this was the 10th track on Speak Now, which came out in 2010. Love a little numerology there with the 10 and the 10. It was, of course, written by Taylor Swift. Uh, and it was produced by her and Nathan Chapman. However, with the Taylor's version, it is produced by Taylor and Christopher Rowe. Uh, the song was on the set list for Speak Now, the world tour, which ran from 2011 to 2012. Uh, and looking back a little bit at that era, Mara Johnson, writing for The New Yorker, cited this part as one of the few instances of Speak Now where Taylor Swift writes about sexual experience, which, of course, is no longer the case with Taylor's version. Uh, I Can See You is a little spicy, a little false god who. But I know you have a lot of feelings looking up some of these quotes about it. When I first listened to this song, I don't know, I put Taylor on this, this American girl, so sweet, so kind. And then the lyrics, I was scandalized, even though I was in my early 20s. Um, new stuff, but that it was Taylor. And I did the same thing that she like, she said other people do to her. And I was like, I feel bad about it now. But I was growing up with her and I just figured she was like a better, she was better than me. But you know what? She can be just as petty and we love her for that. Yes. We do know that she's better than revenge if we're talking about her being yes. better at something. It is so funny to think about because I think I was 17, 18 when this came out and I was raised on Paramore and Avril Lavigne, which also have these like really reactionary songs to being slighted by um, a romantic interest and like painting the other woman as like the other woman, which is like obviously something that's so prevalent in media and the media that like we were raised with the same as Taylor was raised with. So it was very much like on brand for the vibes of like the nines tens that that whole era the aughts and the teens were very much slut shamey like i can't necessarily say like i'm surprised that she changed the lyrics the way that she did considering there has been such a cultural shift in the way that we approach this but it was something that like you and i were talking about like in the lead up to recording this that i think is really like fascinating Men aren't pressured to go back and revisit their songs and like update them when the times change. Like there's plenty of men and bands that have been touring for 40, 50 years that have some pretty horrible lyrics and they don't change those. But we have women like Taylor Swift and Haley Williams who have either been pressured to stop singing these songs altogether or when they do the re-records, change the lyrics. And I'm like, here's no like what like where are you at with that like thought process with that change yeah paramore at the concert she just started sing that again right yeah, because very such, recently yeah it was such a big hit for them and again i love that song i love that song too like it's still on my playlist whenever yeah. you need a little you need a little venting yeah but she'll sing it 
but she skips the lyrics. Once a whore, you're nothing more. But the thing is, when you go to concerts like that is everybody's singing along. So everybody in the audience just sings that part while Haley's just like, Haley's like, I am innocent. You all are the bad guys. You said it. (laughs) You said it on me. Not me. Which I feel like is going to be the same case with this one because even listening to it, I still am singing the original lyrics because in my mind, like that's the song I know. And also those lyrics, the original lyrics work better. Like, Maggie, can you tell us what the original lyrics were? Yes. So the original lyrics were, she's better known for the things that she does on the mattress. And now the lyrics are, he was a moth to the flame. She was holding the matches, which just rhythmically does not work. She makes it work. Like listening to her sing it, she's, she's got it down. She's got the right, like the intonation and like it it sounds good coming out of her mouth but it doesn't flow as well as a a banger of a song yeah okay i think we're gonna go back we're gonna go back in time yes we're gonna talk about a little hot goss (laughs) which you know what i love doing at this time as a teen i was having my little dramas going on in high school and college but you know what looking at these people always made me feel better and still, honestly, like, I'm 30 now, and I still enjoy, I love the hot goss. Maggie and I are like, oh, who is this song about? Is it about her? And then we're like, okay, we're going to piece this together. Because it's always just been rumors. This is all speculation, let's say that. Yes. And we're not saying anything. This is all legend. We know nothing. A legend. Okay, yes. Taylor and Joe Jonas briefly dated July to Oct- October 2008. And then but right not as that, brief as this phone call. Yes, yes. This 40-second phone call, forever and always, Mr. Perfectly Fine. We know you. We see you. So right after that, he started uh, dating Camilla Bell, who I always remember just from Rip Girls, a Disney Channel original movie, which takes place in Hawaii. And she's also the little girl in the second Jurassic Park movie who gets attacked by the little tiny dinosaurs. That's what I always remember her for. Yeah. And I think when... A Stranger Calls, the the remake. But, oh my God, Maggie brought this up and it just blew my mind. Belle was in the Jonas Brothers Love Bug music video, which premiered October 19th, 2008, which of course was probably filmed months in advance. And that's how Camilla and Joe met. But the song was Love Bug and the new lyrics, Maggie, about the moth. A moth. He's a bug. He's a bug. It just blew my mind. I'm like, oh my God, Taylor's a genius. She's a freaking genius. mind that woman has. So this song is so petty. And again, we love that for her. Because when you're that age, when you're 18, 19, I've, I've said some terrible things to people. Oh, yeah. Especially when I was upset. Especially, when especially it if there to- was like a romantic interest involved. Yeah. I, I look back and I'm just like, oh my God, I was a terrible person. Okay. But anyway. So she talks about like who among, the thing. Here's the thing: is that who among us wasn't? Yeah, because that was had like, nobody was good back then. We all had our we moments. all had our moments. Yeah, Camilla went to Marlboro School, an all girls high school in Los Angeles, the prep school, because they didn't teach you that in prep school, did they? And Camilla Bell, at least at that time, in like the mid aughts, was really known just for mo- more like what she was wearing on the red carpet. And she mm-hmm. said she was inspired by 
Elizabeth Taylor and Old Hollywood. And Taylor says, no amount of vintage dresses gives you dignity. Which is a spicy comment. <laughs> and Camilla has voiced her opinions when Katy Perry and Taylor were going at it on Twitter. So Camilla thinks this is about her. So allegedly. But going back to 18-year-olds, we could be bitches. And yeah. the thing is, like, we can't take back what we said and did. We can't rewrite it. And I feel no. like Taylor shouldn't either. Yeah. I have... I hate that she felt like she had to capitulate to, like, the voices online. And I feel this way about a lot of aspects of her life because I feel like she is, like her lyrics say, a pathological people pleaser. And this is definitely a prime example of that because I understand that like, the lyrics are in poor taste, but I don't think they're necessarily the worst thing anybody has ever sang in a song. And the whole song is that vibe. And highlight it. Like, wearing pretty dresses doesn't give you dignity is a, is a pretty big slam for two teenage girls. Because that's, that's painting very Scarlet Letter vibes. And it's, yeah, it's slut-shaming a little bit. And also, it's just blaming the woman, mm -hmm. the other woman, when it's the guy who made the commitment to you is the one who's doing the actual bad thing. Yeah. Just as someone who, like, once in college was dating a guy, he said he broke up with his girlfriend, he oh. lied. It was not my fault. No, you weren't the actual other woman. No revenge, please. What I think is so interesting, and we see this in a lot of like a lot of corners of the internet, whether you're talking about the media that you consume or the books that you read or the fanfic you write, there's this idea that just because you felt this at one time or just because you're like writing this, that you like think this is the good thing, this is the right thing. Like there's no like line now where you could sing a song like this and like obviously not feel that way anymore. And not still like be pinned for like, oh, you were slut shaming. That's the feeling I had when I was 18 years old. I can still sing the song and like also condone that kind of behavior. Like, you don't have to change it, if it's that makes sense. Like, the, singing about those love songs that she had years ago, you know, like with relationships that are over and done with. Those songs are still like the entirety of Lover. She realized this just a couple of years later in 2014. She told The mm -hmm. Guardian, I was 18 when I wrote that. That's the age you are when you think someone can actually take your boyfriend. Then you grow up and realize that no one can take someone from you if they don't want to leave. Exactly. So she grew up, she realized what we all do eventually, like the other person is not the one you should be upset with. Exactly. And it's, I do also think that just in general, it seems like, and maybe this is a side effect of how hard everybody went after Jake Gyllenhaal. I feel like Speak Now has been both a very strange rollout. The fact that she didn't change her profile picture on anything from Midnight's until yesterday when the album dropped, I thought was weird. The fact that there was like no promo, obviously the album leaked ahead of time. So we didn't get the fun solving the vault track puzzle or anything like that. We didn't get any of this lead up, but we also got her making a point to say, be kind, which was clearly like she doesn't want her fans going after John Mayer the way that we went after Jake Gyllenhaal. And I think you said we, Maggie, you said we. Hi, I mean, what did Maggie do? 
What did Maggie do? Did you cyber bully a celebrity? <laughs> I did not cyber bully Jake Gyllenhaal, but I did make a few funny jokes on yeah. the podcast when it came out Are all you- too well. Yes. And I made, I, I did write a very strongly worded like review of her short film, which like very clearly painted a target on Jake Gyllenhaal's back. I went hard in a professional way. But like with her telling people to go like easy and soft, I think one is because John Mayer is the kind of person that will try to sue her for damages or something because he's a, he's a petty little bitch. We can say oh, that. He's big mad about it. He's still talking about it in interviews. Oh, yeah. Like he's been mad about this for years. So I feel like is she probably knew Jake wasn't going to fight back. <laughs> it's a whole other idea. But I feel like speak now for the fact that this entire album is filled with like bitchy songs. She seems to be taking it in a, a much gentler approach. Be kind to John Mayer. I'm going to soften the way I spoke about Camilla Bell. I'm going to have Taylor Lautner in my music video. It feels like she's taking Speak Now in a very different direction that she took with Red. And obviously very different from Fearless, which got, it was a passion project feeling at that point before she realized that we cared as much as she cares about these albums. So it's interesting. Like, I feel like maybe... Part of why the lyric change was something she focused on because she was not wanting to paint all of these people as her fans' next victims. Yeah. So she learned a lesson with Red, but also I feel like, again, looking back about what you wrote or said at 18, you're like, who is that person? Now in my 30s, I'm like, even in my 20s, I was like, who is that person? Who I was even in my early 20s or mid 20s. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I recognize her at least. Yeah. It's so different when you get from like 16 to 22 or 21 even. Oh, like, yeah. So I feel like she's like, mm, I was her. Maybe. <laughs> Be like, I don't know her. That was actually, that was, that was Ashley. But yeah, speak now. She only before when like we went to the Philadelphia concert, she only sang Enchanted from it. Yeah. Which and I'm fine with because Enchanted is my fave. It's my top five Taylor songs. But even the way that she uses it in the tour, it feels like a palate cleanser in between eras. I can half is because it's like Lover, which she definitely seems to be a little bit less thrilled with than she was like for the Amazon Prime concert that she did like right after it came out and stuff like that. Because obviously different context now for her. But then the rest of the thing is like you got Reputation in 1989 and Folklore, Evermore, Midnight, straight bangers for the next half after Enchanted. It's very interesting how she used it as like a transition point. And maybe when we talk about the next re-recording, we'll see that there's more symbolism in there for the tour. Because I do feel like the way that she handled Speak Now, both in the concert and the rollout of it are not dissimilar from each other. Very much casual. This is the thing that's happening. This is another album that's dropping. It's very different. I just, it's so different. Like, she doesn't have her original album at all represented in the concert. Her debut. Yeah, that's true. Which I thought we might get like a little bit of teardrop. (laughs) Which kind of worries me about how debut is going to be dropped, which I also think like, I've long held the belief that debut is going to be the last one because that's her owning her name at that point. Yeah. Like, it's a good way to kick off the, like, the final re-recording. But it is, it is weird. <laughs> Especially since Speak Now has so much symbolism for her as a songwriter because it's, it's her, it's written she by. did the entire album. So. Yeah. And so it's, it, I thought it would be a bigger fanfare is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Different. I just want to bring up, like, we talked about Speak Now it's just a bitchy album, which is fine. It's so bitchy. Again, 
We love, I love it. Like even just the song Speak Now, which is like this imaginary story about a guy she loves marrying the wrong woman. And she's just like her snotty little family all dressed in pastel and she's yelling at a bridesmaid. Just like coming up with a worse woman. Like it's so much like like a, um, a meaner version of her new girl character. <laughs> like yeah. she, she speaks. She got a stand up. But even the previous album with like You Belong. Wait, is You Belong With Me? Fearless. And Fearless. Even in Fearless, like You Belong With Me, she pits herself against another woman where she's like, I wear a t-shirt. She wears high heels. She's you should leave them on the bleachers. Yeah. I mean, it's not as she's doing stuff on the mattress kind of level thing, but it's still yes. like there. And yeah, just... Changing those lyrics does not change the song enough to justify it. Comparatively to talking about the Taylor Swift debut album, Picture to Burn, where she says, that's fine when she's talking about breaking up with a guy and saying, you're going to tell your friends I'm crazy, which you are Taylor. But that lives with her. Yeah, that lives with her for the rest of her life. (laughs) She puts out like once in an album, but like, I'm crazy. And we're like, we know, like, we know. We are too. But she's like, that's fine. I'll tell mine you're gay. Mm-hmm. As in like, as a negative thing. Like, yeah. that's what happened. Like, the mid- Which was, again, that was the mid-aughts for that way. Yep. And it, the lyrics is now, that's fine. You won't mind if I say, mm-hmm. by the way. Kind of thing. But that lyric change. One, yay, no homophobia, Taylor. We applaud that. <laughs> yeah. Bare minimum with that one. But yep. two... But two, it doesn't change the point of the song. It's the same. She still has her daddy threatening him if he comes around again. He's going to make you sorry. <laughs> like the song is still the same. It doesn't change the context at all. Exactly. And I guess like, again, I don't know what I'm trying to say with like, and the context isn't bad. The song isn't like a bad thing. It's a guy breaks your heart. You're going to be like, I'm going to date all your best friends kind of thing. Just a reaction reacting at 15 16 like what you're gonna do when you get your heart broken and your past is sad and you're just at the mad stage this song even changing those lyrics she, she he was a moth to the flame she's holding the mattress matches <laughs> she's, she's holding the mattress she's like, known for this oh like, mattress with me it doesn't change the context either no it doesn't it still paints him as the innocent that was lured in by her wicked ways Honestly, I feel like if she was going to change her lyri- the lyrics to this at all, she should have also said, added, instead of she learns, there's nothing better, I do nothing better than revenge, it's they. I feel mm-hmm. like she should have changed to they, because there's two to tango, Taylor. She's like, no, actually, I'm on good terms with Joe now, so he's actually innocent. She's like, I already wrote, like, all these songs about him Joe already. Joe the first. I don't think she's on good terms with Joe the second. <laughs> no. Had to throw on that yeah. singer there. Yeah, you got to. But yeah, it just, yeah, the picture to burn thing, it doesn't change the intensity of what she's saying in the song. This one changes the intensity, but it's still not. The rest of the song still, still exists. <laughs> the rest of the, the song rest still exists. It's still slouching. Yeah. And, and that's okay. <laughs> and the thing is about these three recordings, yeah, it's cool. I love getting vault songs. I'm, Castle's Crumplin' is on a repeat in my car. My dog's complaining. Foolish but one anyway, is mine. The tail. Relatable. 
that one feels so oh that brings me back to like freshman year of college it's really bad i don't like that i don't like that taylor making me feel things but anyway the thing about these are they're supposed to be like so we can listen to her songs without paying the bad people money also it's these are a time capsule thing like this is this is who you were taylor it's okay we all make mistakes some of us just do it and it gets on the billboard top 100 list. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I feel like she shouldn't She shouldn't have done both versions. She should have done two That's versions true. or have sung as a surprise song and then like, I'm choosing to change these lyrics, but I recorded it for you all to have the original song, but I own it. Like, there's a lot of ways that she could have done it. And it's not like it's going to be back on the charts in the same way that yeah. it was before. So there's no, I don't know, the impact is different. The impact already exists. The other song still exists, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. It's still on Spotify. It's still on people's Apple accounts. People still have the CDs. That song still exists and will exist forever. Yeah, I didn't change that. I was re-listening to it before the new album came out because I bought the album. I already gave the money. Can't get more money out of me for it. So no Swifties come at me. I'm one of y'all. I should hope you're one of us. I know. Where the freaking shirt and everything? I wait there. But you're like, I've been there. I've been there. I've lived it. I've li- I've been there since the freaking beginning, y'all. You've been there, did that, and got the t-shirt. Literally. But yeah, it's just... Those lyrics, they're memorable. We're not going to forget them, Taylor. I'm sorry. No. And like, it's not even... Like, I don't know. I'm not saying worse as in bad. It's not even like the most eyebrow raising i guess that's the word i'll use not even most eyebrow raising lyric of her career like i think for me personally it was at the time just yeah contextually yeah that was like she was no longer miss americana she was shifting into like the pop rock vibe out of the good girl tennessee fake twang thing that she'd been doing previously yeah it was a big change and it's just like that thing of like, oh, she's growing up. She's having grown up relationships. She went from this high school, like even more like middle school. Oh, teardrops on my guitar. We're talking on the phone all night kind of thing. Like you do in high school kind of thing. Now we're getting into grown up relationships. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. she's there with me. When did that happen? Like, because she seems like she's not that much younger than me, but she feels younger than me mm-hmm. just because of what she was because her albums would come out years after she wrote them. But yeah, overall, Taylor, it's okay. It's okay to say. It's a bop. It's a bop. It's okay. We can pause our feminism for yes. a few minutes. I support women's rights as much as I support their wrongs. This is a wrong. It's, and I support it. But it's such a catchy wrong. It's so good. Oh, we're terrible. We're terrible women. It's fine. It's fine. I still listen to Misery Business and Girlfriend and all those. Yeah. Fun, edgy songs. It's okay. If they admit, like, my my belief is if the men get to do it and nobody comes at them, why can't we? Why must we Just, be the pinnacles of grace and wonderful and we must never feel extreme emotions? Yeah, there are definitely, I'm not going to name names, but there are definitely male groups, male bands, male single 
solo artists who are singing and slut shaming women all the way, calling them bitches, calling them worse things. And they're doing that. Things they wrote years ago, no changes. It's all just the ladies have to change. Yeah. Every little thing, too. It's very annoying. Mm -hmm. We must fit into the perfect image. No strong emotion. We can never be mad at another woman. Also, constantly have to change into something brand new to keep your attention. We must always have a new era. (sighs) Something like the Olivia... What's her last name? Yeah, she... Yeah. People were talking about, oh, it looks so much like her previous album. It sounds like her previous album. And I was like, oh, my God. Taylor was right. I'm like, I knew she was right. But like seeing it live happening on Twitter and stuff, you're like... And then you look at other groups, other like solo singers. I'm thinking of the Jonas Brothers just because they're like topical. But like they, aside from like no longer wearing their stupid little fedoras, they... And promise like And promise (laughs) rings. They purity shamed them, Candace. They shamed themselves. No, <laughs> they totally did. They're like they have they're in on the joke now. <laughs> yeah, they're in. They're they're in on it. They get it. Um, they got all. They all got hot wives out of the deal. But like they still basically look the same as their previous incarnations. Like there's no complete shift in the way their music sounds, or the way they look, or the way they present themselves on stage. They're not expected to give performances in the way that Taylor or Beyonce are expected to give like three hour long career retrospective like with fireworks and flames and costume changes and like intense dancing and and playing multiple instruments they're they're not given the same expectations that male performers are expected to bring thinking back to Madonna how many Mm -hmm. times she changed her look and her feel and her the song she sang and just had to keep doing that for relevancy. And it's just- I like, I don't, this is obviously probably not the place to have this conversation, but like, I feel like that now we're seeing the ramifications of that career spanning expectation to always look and behave and appear a certain way. We're seeing that now with Madonna, obviously in the headlines recently for being in the hospital yeah. and for health related reasons that seem to be connected to this, like, the, the striving to look a specific way because that's what's expected to you as a pop star. As a female pop star. Female pop star, yes. Yeah. It's weird. So, it's a lot. Always changing, always even changing your history, going back to changing these lyrics, changing to adapt. Changing your music videos. Changing for giving into the pressure, which I understand. Yeah. Also a pathological people pleaser. Yeah. So overall, we say, yeah, better than revenge. One, it's a bop. Two, changing the lyrics did not change the song, slut shaming and being, feel me. You know what? Three, she was 18 when she wrote it. We were all bitches then. Yeah. And you know what? Listening to it takes us back to a time when we were bitchy little teenagers and now we've grown from it and can just like enjoy it for the bop that it was. We probably don't feel that way anymore. I would hope. I hope so. Yeah. Maybe in our darkest hours, we're like really mad at a guy. I could see like people still feeling that, but like you recognize it's not a good thing to think. But it's also, this is all societal pressures on women. How we're supposed to react. It's not the men's, it's not the man's fault. We have like led them astray, obviously. Yeah. It's not quite. Yeah. She'll get to the, at the patriarchy in the next album. 
next exactly. few years. She lives, she better. learns. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, this I feel like, especially her music is just a diary entry. And mm-hmm. you don't want her rewriting the history. I want to see the messy. I want to see the good, the bad, everything. We don't want her to rewrite the story of us. Okay, I can't top that. That's it. <laughs> Maggie, where can people find you online? And Starbucks find- lovers. Yes, you can find me and Starbucks lovers on Twitter. I am Maggie of the town on there. And then since there are so many new social media platforms out there, you can find me on Instagram at the Maggie Love It, which is also my threads handle. And if you're looking for me on Flip Sky, you can find me at Maggie of the Town. And in most of those, I have my link tree in my bio, which is where you can find Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast, which is on the DC Waffle Network. Awesome. And yeah, I'm on Blue Sky Threads, something hype, something else. But those are all Candace Call. But Twitter, I am Candace the Geek. But yeah, you'll find me somehow that way. And yeah, so excited. Starbucks Lovers coming back or just talking Taylor with you because this girl has levels and we love even the really mean ones. And this is just scratching the surface of so much Taylor Swift that has happened in the last few months. Including oh us seeing her. Oh yeah, we saw her. And you couldn't tell her her shirts. <laughs> we were in the same room as also like And we were enchanted to see her. We were enchanted. So yeah. Until next time. Yes. Stay swift.